Edmonton. Stopped by Platt. Here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Hello and welcome back to another episode of That Sums It All Up. We are in the aftermath of Arsenal's one-all draw at home to Slavia Prague. It's safe to say that plenty of fans are probably slightly frustrated, annoyed and probably losing a bit of faith in the team and perhaps in Mikel Arteta after the way in which the events of yesterday panned out. We're just going to get straight into it today. Nice off-the-cuff emotional reaction with Mr. Johnny Rosen, who's joining us. Good morning, Johnny. How are you after yesterday's, well, really frustrating and disappointing result, I think, is is a good way to put it. Yeah, no, I'm doing okay. Just trying to process process it. Very frustrating result. Um, just, I mean, really average game at best. But then to go 1-0 up with kind of five, eight minutes to go with injury time, I guess, we had to hold it. And it wasn't a bad result until, I don't know, until the 93rd minute. We'll, we'll go through the goal in detail, but it was just uh, it was a real kind of sucker punch, really. But yeah, other than that, not too bad. What about you? Yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm well. I think, as I was saying just before we, we started uh, chatting, I found yesterday's result very, not so much the result because obviously it's a bad result and I still have faith that we're good enough to go to Slavia Prague and win more probably out of necessity. I just feel like they have to do it now. So mm. I, I, I'm not really envisioning the idea of of not going through, but mm. we just make it so hard for ourselves. And I was perhaps more concerned about, you know, if we had won 1-0, then we probably would have got away with it because the finishing was so wayward. I don't mm. think we started with the right lineup. I think the substitutions were um, questionable, to say the least, and, and especially the timing at which they were made. But we'll get into that. So I think the, the sort of underlying things in the game, we were going to trip up on them. So, look, let's just get let's just get straight into it because I think there's there's plenty to, to process as, mm. as both of us are sort of doing at the moment. But so seven o'clock team news comes out I think the main thing that that everyone was reacting to straight away was the fact that our captain Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang was on the bench and Pepe perhaps less surprisingly was was on the bench with him after both started in the in the sort of calamitous 3-0 defeat to Liverpool what did you make of of the team and the fact that Aubameyang was on the bench and Lacazette and Willian essentially came in for Pepe and Aubameyang because I think Saka and Smith Rowe would have started anyway, and obviously mm. Odegaard was injured too. Yeah, I mean, I think well, I think the Odegaard injury, which I think we you know is unexpected, it happened through the um, during the week, was probably the biggest um, factor in the lineup because. As good as Smith Rowe is as a ten, we we have seen since Odegaard joined that he's not at that level yet. And I guess what Arteta was trying to do was bring in a few other kind of possession players, high touch players, 
to make up for the absence of Odegaard, which is why William started. I guess that's why Lacazette also started because he drops in um, to the hole and then, I don't know, Sack and Smith are open, spin off him and you can kind of build up play like that. And on paper, it's not a bad idea. What I did know kind of from a bit of research about Slavia Prague was they're quite they're a high-pressing team who work similar to kind of Leeds's uh, Bielsa team or Bielsa's Leeds team. And what happened? Sorry, what happened last time we played Leeds at the yeah. Emirates? <laughs> exactly, it's all about getting in behind them and a Bamiang scored a hat trick. So from that perspective, I thought I, I don't know. Yeah, you don't want to be like maybe he just didn't do his research well enough, but. I would have gone with players that are direct, who can run in behind. So I would have gone with a front three of Saka, Pepe, Aubameyang, Smith-Rowe as the 10. And then if you get two goals up, you bring on Lacazette and Willian to consolidate possession and slow things down rather than start slowly and speed things up as you progress. It was just the, it was just the wrong approach completely by Arteta. And, and and that became more and more evident as the game went on. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess that's what you think or something similar, you know. Yeah, definitely. I I was surprised that Aubameyang mm. was, was on the bench, obviously, like probably every other Arsenal fan. Did I have a problem with Willian starting? Probably yes, also. I just that front four again, like you say, scream sort of playing it safe, consolidating possession. Not many goal scorers in that front four. I know Lacazette has scored a decent number of goals, but you know, in terms of putting away chances and getting into scoring positions, none of those four have shown that they can do it to the same extent that Aubameyang, yeah. can, for example, or Pepe too. Um, so look, the 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 lineup. Well, on the, on the lineup quickly, I'm going right back and thinking of when that front four, in my opinion, worked best. And that was away at West Brom. I know William didn't play and Aubameyang played instead. But when we saw kind of the best link-up play between Saka, Lacazette and Smith-Rowe was definitely that win at West Brom. And what a West Brom, they're a team that sits back and you've got to break them down through that kind of intricate one-two touch passing. Mm. that's not who Slavia Prague are at all. We saw that again when they played Leicester, when they played Rangers. They press you high up the pitch. They take you man for man to your your midfield. And they're a team like Leeds that you've got to be direct against. You've got to get in behind them. I I mean, yeah, I think not having David Luiz was a loss because it meant building up play from centre-back was just that bit more kind of uncertain and imprecise. But not going with Pepe, like, um, Aubameyang, even Martinelli, uh, who was obviously our first sub to come on, just was, was just completely the wrong decision. And I think everything that followed uh, over the course of the 90, 95 minutes just went from setting a president with the wrong lineup. Mm. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's interesting. I thought before the game, like this, this is something that we're not necessarily accustomed to. It seems in in recent times we've always had the home game as the second leg, mm. and so perhaps maybe there was a there was a case of playing it 
a bit more safe because it's two legs and mm. you play, you know, a sort of rotated team in this game and hope that you can get away with it. Like I guess he knew the team nearly did. And then you play a stronger lineup against Sheffield United because it's essential to keep picking up points in the league. And then you go sort of, you know, more direct in the second leg. But I think in hindsight, when you don't, I mean, we did enough to win the game, but we didn't because of the players that were on the pitch. And when we made the changes, you know, the likes of Pepe coming on, scoring a great goal, Bamiyan contributing, sort of bit looking far more dangerous than Lacazette did, even yeah. when that sort of threw on goal, just shows that these players have, um, have a potential to have the potential to do a lot more than what was selected. So, yeah, I did have an issue with the with the team selection. Um, and to be fair, one of my a friend of mine made the point that Lacazette and um, Saka sort of starting along with William and Smith Rowe, it was perhaps more of a testament to the recent form. Mm. Um, and that's why maybe they started. But you know, I don't think Lacazette was particularly great against Liverpool. I think Saka looked rusty before his injury and he was our most dangerous player for sure. But like you say, it sets a precedent starting that front four and it was not the way to play against a team who you could see from the the first minute, like press the keeper. He's not good Mm -hmm. at all at his feet. You know, we didn't do that consistently enough. They were playing a high line. I think Saka was the only one who threatened to get in behind. And the one time he did, he sort of fluffed his lines. And I couldn't help but think when that did happen, the first thing I thought of was Pepe would have scored that. And I think, yes, maybe Pepe is not consistent in that sense, but he had one chance when he came on and it was similar to the Saka one, beat his man and finished with with accuracy and precision. Mm. And that's sort of what you get when you play those sort of more direct uh, clinical players. But, Look, let's let's talk about the the game itself. Then um, we got into it. Like you, I, that first half, I was watching it with my sister, and she sort of looked at me at one point and she said, "Like, what what's happened in this half? Like, has anything really happened?" It was yeah. a really sort of drab viewing. I mean, there was the there was the Saka chance which we talked about just then. That was it. Rob oh. Holding had a header uh, that was well saved by their keeper, but I think. There was no chance. I mean, I don't know what the XG was at half time, but it mustn't have been high. It couldn't have been higher than like 0.3, 0.0. I didn't recall Slavia Prague really having any chance. They had that one chance early on that just fizzed over the bar. But it was, it was the first half was, was very, very dull. Yeah, it was tepid. And I do think that was a reflection of, I sort of at half time, I thought, well, clearly we are trying to clearly we're trying to not you know play in a risky way and that didn't pay off in the end so yeah that at half time i thought well this team selection has shown itself to be conservative and perhaps we were looking to win it by a fine margin and then we got into the second half and I can't remember exactly what minute it was. There were no changes, of course, at the break, but Lacazette had that excellent chance um, where he was played through. Oh no, he won the ball well on the, on the, in the yeah. center circle. But <laughs> there was no, it was kind of like the Aubameyang one against Olympiacos 
there was no part of me that felt confident of him sticking it away when he got the ball. The way in which he he approached the ball, the way in which he ran towards the goal, it was slow. It was almost seemed like his he was arrogant in the way that he approached it, and I think that was misplaced because he sort of clearly he was expecting to score, and he went for the top bins and just score the goal. You know, mm. um, what you made of that chance. I watched it, I mean, obviously kind of saw it in real time and then saw the highlights and then watched it again after the game. I just think, oh yeah, like initially he does really well to pick the ball off on the halfway line, but he's just so slow in getting <laughs> from the halfway line to the penalty box that you, ju- you just, at that moment, I think that, I don't know, three, four seconds of him running... If that you realize just how slow he is, he's running through treacle. And I actually think maybe I actually don't think he's going at full pace, though. I think he does slow down too early. And then he checks his shoulder and realizes that he's slowed down too early and sees that there's a man catching up with him, which then means he has to speed back up again as he's approaching the box, which is not what you want to be doing, which means the ball, I think, is slightly too far away from his right foot as he makes contact, which means he's slightly stretching to get there, which lifts it up, uh, which is why it kind of cannons off the bar and doesn't go in the goal. So I just think he basically picks the player off, should be running at full kind of speed longer than he is and then slows down earlier and does the reverse, which means he's kind of stretching to finish it. I was at no, at no point... Um, did I think we were going to score though? I mean, well, I thought we were going to score, but I wasn't like off my seat being like, here we go, celebrating in advance. It was more like, well, any decent striker should bury this, but whether or not Lacazette constitutes as a decent striker is up for debate these days. And uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't exactly surprised when it didn't go in. Mm. Um but those those were kind of my thoughts on the chance. I saw somewhere saying that the, it only had an XG of 0.57, which means 43% of the time that chance is missed anyway. Mm. But really, whenever, you know, your star, not your star strike, but whenever a striker goes through one-on-one with a keeper, you've got to kind of play, hedge your bets on them finishing it because... Otherwise, what are they in the team for? I, Lacazette's not in the team primarily to link up play 40 yards away from goal. Mm. He's in the team to score goals. And if he's missing those chances, I, I think you put someone else in who will score. I think Lacazette, um, Martinelli scores that goal. Um, Aubameyang. I, I couldn't agree more. And... I think, look, we've, we've seen Aubameyang miss those sorts of chances, but, you know, the the frequency of which maybe he gets into those positions suggests that you're better off starting a player like Aubameyang because he gets all those opportunities and more opportunities equals more chance of getting more goals. But Lacazette is, like you say, I mean, it sort of reminded me of seeing Olivier Giroud run through on goal, and that's probably doing a disservice to Giroud because largely mm. an excellent finisher. I mean, maybe not so much for us all the time, but yeah, Lacazette was slow and yeah, clearly his body body positioning and the way in which he took the strike was was all sorts of wrong. But that sort of came, I mean, midway through the, the second half. 
Yeah, and we didn't really have many chances before. I know William hit the post from a free kick. Yeah. Um, but apart but that from that, we, we weren't really sort of doing much. And then it got to, I think Martinelli came on in the 70, 72nd minute. Yeah. And I mean, immediately just looked like, I mean, like the player he is, a lot more sort of mm. uh, energetic and direct than... Did he come? Who did he come on for? He came on for Willian, didn't he? So Willian. at that point, Lacazette was still on the pitch. I mean, I saw on Twitter actually this morning people talking about that Lacazette chance and whether you know maybe the the xG on it isn't isn't really high and and it's sort of a fifty fifty. But you want to you want to mm. make the keeper work or at least you know sort of appear that it's it's going to be a goal when it's a, an excellent opportunity, but. I just don't f- see why after that, I think that was sort of around the 60 minute mark, you then wait the best part of 20 minutes to take Lacazette off, who clearly, you know, that is, I mean, that that point in time, that winning possession on the centre circle and running through on goal, and even the Saka chance in the first half, those were two clear examples of where we were going to get the goals in this game, you know, catching them on the break or taking advantage of their high line, running in behind. And Lacazette failed to do it. He failed to score the goal. Why not then straight away try and react for the last half an hour? I thought, you know, the, the substitutions, yeah, they, they they paid off to an extent because we got the goal. Uh, Aubameyang made a difference and then Pepe finished. But why not bring those guys on earlier, especially when Lacazette has just missed a glorious chance? I just don't think, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why he didn't come off. Um, I mean, why? Why did he? Why did he wait until almost the 80th minute? I don't get it. I think he was. I, I also don't understand what kind of led Arteta to believe the 77th minute was the appropriate time to bring on Pepe, Aubameyang, and obviously Elneny to a lesser extent. But yeah, I mean, I was watching the game with uh, with my cousins and. We were just saying, yeah, the game was screaming out for direct runners. Martinelli, Pepe, Aubameyang fit the bill completely, and it was it was um, it was really puzzling why he just kept on delaying um, making the obvious call. And so for me, when you look at this performance as a whole, I think the buck does stop with Arteta, and you have to put this result, you know, firmly at his. His door because he he really got his tactics and his selection wrong. And I know I think I've got a lot of good things to say about him. He's a rookie coach in his first full season as a manager, managing through a pandemic, whatever. And he's already won kind of one one and a half pieces of silverware if you include the Community Shield or two, or two, maybe two. I don't know if I'd give it a full whole ranking, but um. But it's been evident from his first few games as a manager that substitutions were a weak point of his. Mm. And I don't think that's improved at all. And yeah, if we won 1-0, he could say, well, actually, look, my substitutions worked and Aubameyang assisted Pepe. But they should have come on earlier. And we need to see Arteta improve as a coach like we would want to see a young player improve, like we want to see Sacco improve his finishing or Smith Rowe mm. uh, improve whatever, his, his, his pass accuracy or expected assists. 
Um, Arteta is kind of in the same position, but just managing and substitutions he hasn't improved on in kind of nearly 18 months. And that's that's a worrying thing because he's not the finished article as a coach. And the reason why we took a gamble on him as a club is because his trajectory will hopefully kind of just kind of continue to grow and grow and get better and better. But if he's not improving in kind of basic areas such as substitutions, that's where I think questions then need to be asked as well, who would who would do that better? Mm. Um, that's I mean, my kind of takeaway. A tool, I mean, Arteta, like you, I'm, I'm very much, you know, on board giving him the, the time and the mm. investing faith and uh, sort of patience. But there are suggestions that he's, he's quite stubborn in his approach mm. and very sort of, uh, as you say, maybe inexperienced. Do you think there's any part of it that, you know, he's sort of in this game and we'll get on to maybe speaking a bit more about Aubameyang um, shortly, but if he's made the decision to start these players and, you know, the chances that there've been a couple of good chances and, you know, it's like starting persisting with Willian. Is it a case of him maybe being too stubborn or wanting to prove a point? You know, I don't think we've seen, even when Willian's played a bit better over the last like month or two, I don't think we've seen enough for him to merit sort of starting in place of Martinelli, for example, or someone else. I, it just does seem like he perhaps is trying to make a point or just waiting perhaps too long for to see whether his decisions, um, his team selections pay off, not willing to change it early enough. I think, especially when we're capable of sort of, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot like we have been pretty much all season, especially of late, you can't afford to make those, those game-changing substitutions so late because you don't give yourself enough room to you know give yourself enough breathing room because that sort of thing with you know what happened with with Cedric and then the corner at the end of the game showed that bringing your your two sort of most direct players on and my my I point out your your highest paid player and record transfer fee player obviously not completely relevant all the time but it just did speak mm. volumes that those two players came on made the difference but were given about what, 15 minutes, 10 minutes to, to do so. And I just feel like we need to see more in that regard because we cannot afford both on the pitch because of our deficiencies, but then also in terms of the money we've invested in these players to consign them to 10, 15 minutes from the bench in arguably one of our biggest games of the season, which is crying out for these players and their strengths to make a difference. It, it really... I think was was quite uh, yeah. It, it made me feel quite quite flattened after the game. I just felt like what, what, this is this is sad and, and maybe verging on something a bigger issue at play with the way in which the players are managed and why are we you know persisting with certain players and not giving other players a chance and yeah, it just I think we 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 paid the price for as you say Arteta selecting the wrong set of players, especially in attack. Um, because the players we brought on made the difference and then and then we were punished. So let's get on to let's get on to the goal then that we actually did score. Um mm. 
So uh, Aubameyang and, and Pepe came on, El Nenny as well for Thomas Partey, who had quite a tough night. I, I yeah. haven't seen him probably misplace that many passes and he didn't look great. And I also thought it was quite, it was something that stood out to me in the first sort of 60 minutes. Granit Xhaka's presence is normally quite obvious on the pitch. I thought he was very non-existent yesterday and I don't know whether that was because of maybe he'd been ill or the way we were playing, but I'm accustomed to seeing more Xhaka than perhaps I did yesterday. But Thomas Partey's passing was wayward. He looked physically sort of... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he got taken off at 77 minutes or whatever. So that was slightly worrying. But the substitution... Yeah, I, yeah go on. Well, just briefly on Partey and Xhaka, I, I thought you could make an argument and say that was Partey's poorest game in an Arsenal shirt. A lot of passes, we're not just talking about misplacing them, we're talking about kind of kicking them off the pitch um, when he was under little pressure. But I think, I mean, obviously, Slavia Prague do press those centre midfielders extremely tightly mm. and uh, and make them work, and which is why the free man was always kind of Rob Holding which also didn't really benefit us. And that goes back to the the kind of David Louise absence. But yeah, it was just what I, I don't want to be like, it was just one of these, but I think, I, I don't want to say it, it was definitely not one of those games for Ceballos because at least the one thing we didn't do, or at least Party and Jack didn't do, was lose the ball in midfield uh, and, and kind of turn over possession 30, 40 yards from our goal. Uh, whereas, you know, if worst thing, worst comes worst, if the ball goes out for throw on, at least we can kind of regroup, get compact and then defend that set piece. But no, I, I just thought Party looked looked leggy. Uh, there, there were moments where he looks like the player we know he is, where he kind of darts through the midfield, picks off one or two of their players and then all of a sudden we're attacking their back four. Mm. But yeah, it was... It's been a it's been an interesting kind of season for him, and I just still don't think he looks fully fit. And I don't know if there's an ongoing problem there where he's maybe taking painkillers or something. But I'm hoping that he I, I'd, I'd actually rest him against Sheffield United, and um, and just take him game by game until we get to the end of the season, and then maybe that needs to be his whole fitness program, whatever needs to be reviewed uh altered and he needs a proper break yeah so. I, I think it's definitely a case of him it always it always appears to me that he's been playing catch up when he suffered that initial injury i mean mm-hmm. even i think it goes probably back to when we signed him we waited until the end of the summer which whether that was the right or wrong decision obviously probably waiting for various other things to fall into place and and maybe wanting atletico to lower their price but when you sign a player when the season's already started, he has to come straight in. And I know he didn't come straight in, but, you know, you don't give him time to bed in. And I think also that's a testament to sort of this season. There wasn't a proper preseason for anyone. And so I think he's always been playing catch up and then he got the injury against Aston Villa and then we rushed him back. Then he's been injured and, you know, sort of, I think he hasn't had a, a solid foundation to build his fitness and integrate into the team. So I do think we'll see Thomas Partey properly next season as opposed to this season um yeah and i mean he did he was getting up the pitch a lot uh yesterday 
like you say, we saw flashes of him sort of darting between the midfielders and the opposition team, which sort of is is great to see because we haven't seen a midfielder do that for us for so long. But he was getting high up the pitch, which I liked. But yeah, he was misplacing plenty of passes. He, I don't think he commanded the game in a, in a way in which we'd sort of maybe want our you know fifty million pound star midfielder to do. Um, but look, we 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 went one up and Aubameyang sort of got the ball. And I think as soon as him, Martinelli and, and Pepe came on, I think it was the most dangerous sort of period of the game. Martinelli had that shot in a, in a dangerous position. Aubameyang had that that sort of, I mean, quite good chance with inside the box. He sort of, uh, it went wide with his left foot. Mm-hmm. And then Aubameyang sort of did a great bit of, of hustling and hold-up play, I guess, which is sort of what mm-hmm. we maybe attribute to Lacazette. He, he sort of battled for the ball on the on the um, halfway line and then played Pepe through, which showed a great turn of pace and finished really, really well um, into the bottom left-hand corner. I thought it was a great goal and it was great to see, you know, the celebrations and and after such a frustrating sort of... Um, I mean, what, what minute did we score that, that goal? That was... 86. Like 86. 86. It was a late goal. I mean, that also, I think, was was quite strange because we're not used to scoring late goals um, this season. So I thought that was encouraging, especially after such a such a frustrating sort of uh, majority of the game. And then, of course, again, I think we looked comfortable. Uh, and then Leno made a good save. I mean, to be fair, they had like three really good opportunities in the open. <laughs> in the last mm. 10 minutes which suggested that we weren't entirely in control and 1-0 wasn't enough and then they scored and I think that came from Cedric instead of you know bringing the ball out he sort of reverts back and plays a pass to Gabriel whose touch is loose and then they get a chance Leno saves well and then from the resulting corner I think Cedric might be at fault in his marking again and Pepe sort of maybe doesn't do enough, but it's just, and Leno, maybe he's beaten too easily, but it's just the way in which we engineered that opening for the other team in the 90 plus four minute was just uh, really, really disappointing. Yeah, no, I thought, well, going back to Argo um, first, Aubameyang deserves a lot of credit as well for the pass that he plays through. He's not obviously known for his assist making and his chance creation, but it was a really good pass, well-weighted. And and I think because Pepe just has to take it instinctively, whereas the Saka and Lacazette chances, they both had more time to kind of steady themselves and position position themselves. That maybe sometimes it works against you, whereas Pepe, the keeper's running out at him. He's running through on goal. He's got a defender right behind him and he had to just go with what he knows and flick it over the keeper. Uh, it kind of probably served him well. I also think we've seen from Pepe in the past where when he's given more time to kind of make his decision, he uh, he sometimes maybe, I don't know, second guesses himself or what, whatever and, and you know, produces quite a poor attempt on goal, maybe shoots at the keeper rather than in the corner. So it was a really good instinctive finish and one nil up with kind of three minutes to go plus added time. And you were thinking, well, we've played really poorly, but one nil is not a bad result. You know, they've not got the away goal. We take a small lead to Prague. And if we can just score one goal there, it should be 
should be that really for the tie. Uh, and then, yeah, it, it was kind of out of nowhere because they did have that chance um, where it was a really good strike from a weird angle, kind of in between the byline and the corner of the box that Leno kind of saves and parries it onto the onto the bar. But it just showed really kind of, and I'm not having a go at Cedric here because I actually think Cedric for kind of the most part had a pretty solid game at left back out of position, but just not having a left footed left back that can clear that ball 60, 70 yards down the touchline and just give the team a bit of space to breathe, reorganize, and then can kind of stay to Slavia Prague. If you're going to score a goal, you've got to work your way through us. We're not going to give you a, a set piece and, and we did the opposite. And then, yeah, it was it was a very good corner. Uh, we I have to give them credit. And the header, you know, it just worked. They just got lucky. I didn't really think with their goal, we, we did any kind of committed any big mistakes. It was more everything just fell into place for them at the right time. It was a really good delivery. The ball kind of glides off Pepe's thigh mm. right onto the player's head. Like it couldn't have been more perfect. And then there's an argument of could Leno do better, but it's point blank range. And um, and it just it just kind of went for them. And sometimes you get lucky like that. And I, you doesn't know, it when you when those sort of moments mm. take place, you're sort of relying upon a bit of individual quality, or Leno getting us out of jail, or someone making an excellent interception. It's just that. So when the margins are so fine, it can go either way, which is why we should have, I mean, we have to be more than one nil up in that game because something like that can happen um, and sort of kill the, the first leg. I mean, was there anything else that you wanted to add sort of on the, on the performance as a whole, just before we, we talked briefly about the, uh, well, I don't want to call it the Aubameyang situation, but I think there's a few things to say about it and then just preview sort of, the weekend and uh, the next leg and where we stand over the next week? I think if you briefly looking at the performance as a whole, I think we played really, really poorly, right? Mm. And even though we played really poorly, we probably should have scored three goals. You know, Pepe scored, Lacazette's chance and Saka's chance. We had three really good opportunities. Yeah. And so... I'm not, you know, I don't actually, I'm not optimistic for the second leg, but it kind of gives you a bit of hope that if we can just improve our performance by, I don't know, 25% and just be that little bit better, start, you know, stronger, maybe change the lineup so it's more direct, um, we should be able to score in Prague. Mm. And, and if we score in Prague, then it completely changes the dynamic of the tie because, look, it was one all, but they only got one away goal. Uh, and we only need one goal to balance out the tie, and then the ball's back in their court, and they have to come out and attack us. Mm. Um, but then I guess on the flip side of that, I know the Prague manager came out and said that he thought they played terribly <laughs> last <Really>? night. <laughs> and so, and, and, and I think he's right. I think they were really poor. They, they really didn't create any chances through the middle or really over the top or kind of putting crosses their XG was under one uh, at the end missing, of the game. Missing some key players as well. For yeah. Reading prior to the game, like some of their 
I mean, the keeper was in all sorts of, you know, protective headgear. I think they were missing mm. a couple of their sort of crucial players as well. And I'm just looking at the match stats here. I mean, we played poorly, but we we had 11 shots and two on target. Obviously, the Lacazette one wouldn't have counted as a shot on target to hit the bar. Mm. But we're in a game where we say we should have won by two or three, we're sort of saying that those shots on target should be going in. And when you're sort of asking for a 100% success rate, it just didn't seem like we, with the players that we had on the pitch for the majority of the game, as you say, it was sort of stale and conservative and, and not sort of creating chance after chance, which is sort of what you want to do against a team who play a high line and we can get in behind them. Um, so I think, yeah, the approach will need to be very different against them on on next well next Thursday and you know I'm confident that we can we can get a result I do think it requires they haven't lost there all season yeah they have a good home record to be fair like if I, I I don't mind the fact that we're going away in the second leg uh maybe that's slightly strange but I think I've just been scarred by too many occasions mm-hmm. with Arsenal where we take the second leg uh, at home and sort of go out on away goals or something like that mm-hmm. so I think at least the job is clear we know we need to go there we need to score and we need to win the game basically and I think there won't be any sort of confusion as to who starts in that game I'd be very surprised if Lacazette and Willian retain their places yeah uh, and you know Aubameyang doesn't come in with with maybe Pepe or or maybe Erdegaard comes back in if he's fit but Let's just talk briefly about Aubameyang because obviously he came on and he made a difference. He Look, he's had a really difficult season. I don't think we can say at all that handing him the new contract has paid off to this point. Mm-hmm. I can see why we did it. And at the time, everyone... I mean, most people were sort of aware of maybe the risk of, of things not working out, but it was a sort of no-brainer, I think, given where we were financially and and having a player like this who just won us the FA Cup and sort of salvaged our season. Mm. He's sort of tied his... The manager had sort of tied his uh, his initial success to Aubameyang, who was obviously the captain at the time. But, you know, he's had... He's played in a team which struggled desperately in the first half of the season. And I think that that sort of maybe something that we can't really overanalyze because I think everyone was terrible and we were playing so badly, creating minimal chances that I think the first half of the season is a bit of a write-off. He then, I think he gets injured a bit and the team start playing a bit better, arguably without him. You know, Pepe has a few good games, as does Lacazette, mainly when Aubameyang's not in the team. Then he comes in and he's, he plays a bit better. He, you know, he gets the hat-trick against Leeds. He scores important goals in the Europa League for us. Scores a couple mm. of goals here and there. And then, you know, he has his mother's illness to deal with. The club sort of deal with that in the way that they should. And then he's disciplined for being late in the North London derby, which we win, of course. And then since then, I mean, he, he was anonymous in the West Ham game. Obviously, he was started on the right and then moved to the left. Yeah, against Liverpool, he was non-existent at, you know, sort of, just showing that you can't play him on the wing anymore. He's got to be up front. But it is strange, do you not think, that, you know, the the sort of promising performances we've have with we've had with him this of late have been when he's been up top and we've fielded the likes of Saka, Erdegaard, Smith Rowe, maybe behind him. 
why uh, what, what's going on here with Aubameyang you think maybe we're we're reading too much into it after a disappointing game where he hasn't started but it did not sit right with me even before the game that regardless of recent form you know our our captain our our best goal scorer our best player over the last period of time and maybe it's not fair to judge it on that maybe you don't play him because he hasn't he's been underperforming of the last two games but you haven't played him up front start him up front in this game he's your mm. most reliable goal scorer you've committed so much money to him it just this has to work and for it not to work and for him to come on for the last 15 minutes in a game that now we are chasing and we've given ourselves more to do it just seems like this whole deal and Aubameyang's place and role within the squad is is not sort of what we must have intended it to be for to, to award him a new bumper contract so where do you stand on it and and do you think that we should be worried or or is this sort of just a natural reaction to a to a disappointing result um i think up until the north london derby game i was i wasn't worried at all and i was just kind of thinking He's he had he's had a very kind of topsy turvy season, but he'd kind of turned things around a bit. Uh, as you say, the kind of the first half of the season, or at least kind of that October to December period, it, it was a write off for the whole squad. And actually, I don't think he was he was one of the few players that wasn't that bad during that period. He was just getting absolutely zero service, and he's a player that is completely dependent on the service he gets. He's not a hazard. Who picks the ball up and beats five players, um, and he's not a, like, like a Lacazette or Firmino that drops into the ten and and kind of does his um, kind of plays well in multiple ways. He's just a goal scorer. That's it. Um, but then, yeah, you know, he kind of had a little injury. I think he, an ankle injury, which made he missed the Chelsea game. Came back, did well. Then his mum was ill, and he had to go off to Gabon. Came came back did well again but then since Spurs I've been worried because obviously he missed that game and we won that game so it meant that all the celebrations and kind of happiness that the whole club and all the fan base experienced of beating Spurs he couldn't kind of he wasn't included in so he kind of felt separated from the club there then we play Olympiacos and we lose 1-0 at home and he plays Okay, he misses a handful of chances, should probably score two or three that night, yeah. comes off empty-handed. Then the next game is West Ham. Again, he does absolutely nothing, gets taken off. And as he gets taken off, we score the equaliser. So it's like kind of a couple of good and bad results. And he's involved in the bad elements of them. And the good elements like the comeback against West Ham and beating Spurs, he's not part of that. So it's just alienating him a bit mm. from the rest of the squad, from the fan base, from the manager. And then, you know, the Liverpool game, we play badly uh, and he's part of that, but he gets taken off. And that's why I thought last night, had we won 1-0, it would be really important because it was us playing badly, but him playing well and contributing to the kind of V1 positive which would have been the goal had we won 1-0. Uh, so to concede in the manner we did last night, I think only further, uh, or only pushes kind of a Bamiang further from 
kind of Arteta and and the setup in a positive mm. sense. And and yeah, I, I now am starting to worry because he's on a he's got two years left on his contract in the summer, and we've invested a lot of money, uh, a lot of our resources into him succeeding kind of this season, next season. And maybe the season after, which will be his final season, he'll play more of a bit part role. But um, but yeah, it's it's gotta it's gotta be something that is on Arteta's mind. I think, or well, we know, don't we, that when Arteta first came, he had doubts about Aubameyang, and Aubameyang proved him wrong once. And now let's let's hope he can do it again. Yeah, and I think he has to because I think it really does. You know, after the game yesterday, and of course he's frustrated not to have started, and and for us to concede a goal late on. But you know, apparently Aubameyang sort of down the tunnel straight away, not not talking to anyone, not sort of being involved in in any of the post game um, discussions. You know, I'm sure he'll start against Sheffield United and start against Slavia Prague next week. Mm. But you know, you're starting. I think it's really un- it's difficult to say because obviously I don't think you can you can start him in this game based on you know the last couple of games and the way he played. But he's he started on the right hand side against West Ham and then moved to the left and we had a sort of atrocious first half. Again, he starts on the left against uh, against Liverpool and and whether that was the right decision because you sort of want to get him in behind a Liverpool defense like we saw against Real Madrid, you know, sort of pinging the balls over the top and sort of taking advantage of that half space in between the centre-back and Trent Alexander-Arnold. But again, you, it's difficult to judge his performances when he's playing on the wing because we know if he's not scoring goals on the wing, which he hasn't been this season like he did last, then mm. he's not doing anything. And so you've, you've paid him this amount of money, just start him up front, especially instead of a guy who, look, he's he's been pretty good since since Christmas, but... We have not committed. We are well. Maybe we will, but this guy is contract. I hope we don't. We we need to either give him a, an extension or sell him this summer. And I think a lot of people yeah. prefer him to be sold. But mm. we're starting him in these games, which I think does speak volumes of sort of maybe Arteta's opinion of Aubameyang at the moment. I mean, I was taken aback. You know, I said to you before, and maybe it was me just sort of overanalyzing, but. And I know Arteta's spoken to the press, I think, this morning, and I'd be interested mm-hmm. to see sort of the follow-up now that maybe the dust has settled a bit. But he, his comments after the Liverpool game in the week, previewing the uh, the Slavia Prague game, was saying he, mm-hmm. in the reaction he wants in 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 training, and he's convinced that you know he'll he'll get the performance that he needs. And then Aubameyang doesn't start, and after the game, he's sort of quizzed about it and. I'd never seen him speak about Aubameyang in such a dismissive way. I think having highlighted that he wanted to see the response in training and then to drop mm-hmm. one of the players who, um, you know, was part of that performance suggests that maybe Aubameyang didn't show the right response in training or, mm-hmm. and then when he did come on, he made an impact and Arteta sort of said, well, you know, he showed the right commitment and, and, uh, sort of performance or, or whatever. So it just does seem that there's some sort of tension between the two. And I think it probably does come from that North London Derby incident because, you know, you could see it all over Aubameyang's face. He was palpably pissed off and he's not someone who can hide. He doesn't hide his feelings. You can see it all over his face. But it's not something that I think, you know, if Arteta doesn't find a way of of 
well, it's not that hard. Just start him every game up front. You know, that's what yeah. he's meant to be doing. If he doesn't do that and it goes the way it is maybe sort of worryingly becoming clear that it could go that way, I don't think it's another Ozil situation. But Arteta cannot afford to fall out with Aubameyang or not make it work because I think he tied himself to that. He endorsed, he pushed for the deal. And if that goes pear-shaped, then I think Arteta's future is... Uh, like the Willian thing, not to the same extent, but, you know, he's pushed for these deals, for these experienced players. You've got to make it work. And if it doesn't work, then you're arguably responsible. So I, but what, do you have anything to say on that just before we wrap up for today? Well, just kind of speaking of deals positively, it's just kind of broken on Twitter that we're on the verge of agreeing a long-term deal with Balogun, which, um, which is promising, especially he's probably watched the performance last night Seeing a Bamiang and Lacazette's misses and just gone, right, I could do a better job than them. There's a future for me here. And he's obviously grown up at Arsenal. But that's definitely um, at least some positive news to kind of end on and, and to start today uh, today on because he's a very promising talent, Balogun. And we saw that in the group stages of the Europa League with the way he took his goals and would have been a real shame to lose him for nothing this summer. So... Um, yeah, I just thought I'd put that in there. But kind of going back to what you were saying and and with uh, with the Bamiyangs, kind of the way we've committed to him. Yeah, playing him through the middle makes the most sense completely. And I, I, just, I agree with everything you were saying because he's, he well, he, one, he's our best goal scorer and you're leaving inside the, the fact that he's our highest paid player and he's the club captain and has significant influence in the dressing room. He's just, we, we, we need him to score goals and he wants to be scoring goals. I don't think he's kind of in that position where maybe it got to with Oza where there was kind of a real kind of toxic relationship between the, the club hierarchy and the player. I just think he, um, his, his, I can't call into question his attitude because he's been a, a top pro at uh, whether that was kind of in France or in Germany, now at Arsenal for, for in excess of a decade, mm. plays kind of thousands of minutes every season. Every season also kind of hits the kind of 20, 25 goal barrier. So his attitude isn't the problem. It's he's just what you do. Time scorers in the last like five yeah. years or something, you know? Exactly. So it's not, I don't think he has an attitude problem. And I don't know where that kind of tag has come from. I just think we need to build the team to get the best out of him and we haven't done that this season. And next season, we need to do that because he is uh, tied to this deal. And we've committed to him. And then at the end of next season, and he'll be kind of significantly older and he'll be kind of 33. Then you can kind of say, right, until last season, we're going to play you in 75% of the games or two thirds of the games. And Martinelli and, and Balogun will play through the middle most of the time or they'll start to form a partnership. But, you know, the here and now is he needs to be playing through the middle. This is the most, this is supposed to be the most fruitful year, arguably, mm. three-year contract. And I do think, look, obviously the player needs to do, hit certain levels. And I'm all for, you know, Arteta holding everyone to account and, and treating everyone the same. And maybe sometimes you do need to be more accommodating to your, your captain, your superstar. But at the same time, you expect those levels to be hit regardless Mm. It, yeah it, it has to work and I think it hasn't worked so far and I think 
that's a whole other conversation which is perhaps damning on Arteta and maybe Edu as well that you know you sanction this deal you sanction the Willian deal these are short-term deals which need to work and pay off in you know first year second year and it hasn't happened so far so I think it is really worrying to see the way in which continued you know of of of, of the past are uh, the way in which our resources are being used and I think that sort of was was evident in the aftermath of this game but look we've got Sheffield United on Sunday I'm sure there'll be rotation I'd like to see Aubameyang and Pepe start the game I'm sure you know we, we should be trying to you know play in that game in the way in which we should be playing the Slavia Prague game just going for it all guns blazing direct and I hope I mean we should be winning that game absolutely and then we go on to Slavia Prague next week and hopefully by that point you know Aubameyang has scored a couple of goals against Sheffield United and he leads the line against Slavia Prague and we go through, that's all fine, touch wood. Um, but look, if there's nothing else that you wanted to add, Johnny, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there for today. I think it's an important week, of course, for Arsenal and hopefully it goes well because we need it to. Yeah. No, it has to. Well, just as always, good to be back on the pod and thank you for having me. Of course. Well, I no, appreciate your time massively. Um, but look, we'll be back on the pod uh, probably probably this time next week if I can if it all goes well. I mean, if it doesn't go well, I'm sure I'll be back as well because it will demand some conversation. But look, let's hope it all goes swimmingly. Um, just a reminder: you can find all episodes of that sums it all up on my Mixcloud and also on my Twitter. That's Alfie Steiner One. You can follow Johnny on Twitter and Instagram at Football Transfer News Official um for all your your nice transfer lines and of course as we've just heard you know he's, he's given us a nice scoop on uh Balogun as well uh his future so that's promising but look we'll leave it there for today hope everyone has a a good week and arsenal have a good week too until next time take it easy goodbye